This is All India Radio. In the weekly program Current Affairs, we now bring you a discussion on strengthening bilateral ties of India and South Korea. The participants are Skant Ranjan Tail, former diplomat, and Professor Shrikant Kondapalli, expert in diplomatic issues. Shubhajit Roy, journalist, initiates and moderates the discussion. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has gone to South Korea for a visit and this is the second visit, bilateral visit to South Korea in the last four and a half years. Ambassador Tayal, what is the political relevance of this visit because it comes just seven months after South Korean President Moon's visit? Immediately after coming to power, Prime Minister Modi had um, activated the Look East policy and it became Act East policy. And uh, President Moon Jae-in also when he came to power in 2017, he embarked on a new southern policy. And last year in July when President Moon Jae-in was in India, in the joint statement it was said that on India's part that uh, South Korea is an indispensable partner for our Act East policy. And on South Korea's part it was said that in their new southern policy, India is the central pillar. So that gives the background and the importance which the two countries attach to each other. Last year when President Moon Jae-in had come, even before that in 2015 when Prime Minister Modi went, we rated the relationship to strategic partnership and special strategic partnership. So there is a lot of goodwill. There is a common vision which India and South Korea have for the region, for East Asia, for the world. There should be peace, there should be stability so that all the countries can concentrate on their economic progress. I think in that background, this meeting of, again, second meeting within a year between Prime Minister Modi and uh, President Moon Jae-in has a lot of significance because it gives an opportunity to look at the recent developments, what is happening, whether it is in India's neighborhood, whether India again and again, Pulwama was referred to by Prime Minister in all his major statements yesterday and today, and surely the developments in Korean Peninsula, which is now moving towards some kind of peace and reconciliation, would also have been discussed. Professor Kondapalli, Ambassador Tayal just spelled out that how activist policy and South Korea's southern policy have a complementarity. How do you see, you watch East Asian neighborhood very closely, especially China. How do you see this reach out to South Korea? What implications does it have? I think for both countries, South Korea as well as India, the region is very significant. And also since the East Asian, Southeast Asian region has been posting very high economic growth rates, especially Vietnam, Indonesia, which have been maintaining about 7% growth rate. And the PricewaterCoopers as well as the IMF predictions are that this region is going to be still relevant in terms of the economic growth rates. Number two, the ASEAN making a resolution that they will build a community, an economic community, a security community. All these are useful in terms of integration. So the number two reason is very important. Number three, the South Korean, Japanese, China, Southeast Asia, the HRD developments are indicators are very, very high. The literacy rate, the education, healthcare indicators, life expectancy, these are pretty high compared to global standards. So to that extent, tagging on to this region is part of that Act East policy. And as Ambassador Tal has mentioned, the southbound policy, there is a certain confluence that 
both of them have and prime minister's speech in shangri-la last june on the inclusivity of the indo-pacific brings in all these states who have a stake in the maritime order the rule of law in freedom of navigation and overflight in terms of countering wmd proliferation weapons of mass destruction proliferation as well as in terms of maritime security and connectivity and countering terrorism so as that package which was initially confined to us japan India and Australia, you have a whole lot of other countries who are now becoming stakeholders, including the ASEAN, including South Korea and so on and so forth. Although South Korea had a different view on the South China Sea related aspects before, but nevertheless it is also heavily dependent on the sea lanes of communications. So to that extent, the maritime order is very significant for both South Korea and India, in which they intend to participate in various cooperative measures. In the sense that they are looking also at the maritime order is reflected in terms of South Korean Navy sending ships for counter piracy operations in the Gulf of Aden for a long time now. Secondly, also in terms of the minesweepers that South Korea supplies to India, there is the element of the maritime cooperation. Of course, a deal to have South Korean naval ships purchased has been blocked for various reasons. Nevertheless, it underscores the element of maritime cooperation between the two. South Korea heavily imports oil from West Asian region and much of this, some 78% passes through the Indian Ocean region. So to that extent, both have a confluence in this maritime order. Ambassador Tayal, I would take you to some of the political issues that are, we are confronting and terrorism is one of the issues that I must talk about today because last week we saw the barbaric Pulwama attack which is the single bloodiest attack in Jammu and Kashmir in three decades of militancy and I would like to understand from you since you served in Seoul when Mumbai terror attack happened India's ambassador in Seoul how were things back then and how do you see 10 years later how have things changed about terrorism perceptions and conversations between India and Seoul Whenever there is a terrorist attack in India, whether it was Mumbai in 2008 or now in Pulwama, there is a lot of sympathy for India, there is a lot of uh, good words and uh, always our expectation is that our friendly countries will put some pressure on Pakistan because uh, time and again we have shared a lot of information with our friends including with uh, Korea that how there was Pakistan's hand then at that time in, in November 2008 when 10 terrorists came from there and uh, now Pulawama also because the perpetrator himself has claimed that he is inspired in by Lashkar-e Taiba, Jashi Muhammad, etc. There is a reluctance on the part of some of our interlocutors to name Pakistan. And now I am sure the effort from our part is that countries who are important, who are significant, who are active in whether it is G20, whether it is United Nations, I think at present the Republic of Korea is a non-permanent member of UN Security Council, that they apply pressure on Pakistan. Right now, FATF meeting is going on, Financial Action Task Force, where all the money laundering and anti-terrorist operations, whether they can be financed, that scrutiny is going on. So we can have several avenues where South Korea can be a very good partner for us in pressurizing Pakistan that it abandons this path of hostility and inspiring terrorism against Indian territory and against Indian people. Professor Kondapalli, how has South Korea's perception on terrorism, has it evolved in the last few decades or is it 
it's still shaped by it has has it experienced big large scale attack in the last few decades what has been its composition like well there have not been any major attacks on south korea because partly it is a homogeneous right. society right. Uh, there is no multiculturalism in south korea secondly of course they did face a lot of these incidents from north korea this is as part of the cold war between the two sides right. of course today it's normalized between the two so probably we'll see more improvement but nevertheless we have had reports about the north korean commandos landing in the blue house to assassinate the president there is also the underwater penetration through the han river which separates the north and the south these marine commandos who penetrated even through the submarine uh, through the submarine and they have had the Chonan incident in mm. 2010 where the suspected uh, to have been blown up by the North Korean mm. killing nearly 100 sailors from South Korean navy so there are several incidents including a bombing of an aircraft by the North Koreans over Burmese during mm. the cold war and other attempts so South Korea actually it has gone through a lot of these experiences from the North Korean side so to that extent there surveillance equipment their intelligence sourcing is top of the world in terms of their sophistication which is what in one of the agreements today we have had the one on counter terrorism including possibly on surveillance and other measures we'll get to know about these sooner than later but the kind of signals intelligence facilities mm-hmm. the human intelligence facilities and a host of other that they can listen to in the mm-hmm. north korean side mm-hmm. that's pretty sophisticated when you land in seoul you come across all these these antennas and uh, highly sophisticated of course this is added to the third system terminal right. high altitude air defense system right. which the americans have deployed in the southern portion of south korea nevertheless the kind of information gathering that south korea has is highly sophisticated so to that extent i think we india tagging on to this experience would be mutually beneficial in addressing counter terrorism issues ambassador come to you about defense cooperation and professor kondapalli mentioned a few aspects you've been an ambassador there what has been the defense cooperation and because the current government also insists i mean on making india program it has in defense manufacturing is that point of connotation between the two sides defense cooperation has been there for now uh, more than a couple of decades and we have our officers getting trained in their academies military academies and their officers come in our iima etc but uh, lately the emphasis has been on defense manufacturing because korea is very advanced in some of the technologies in uh, aeroplanes they are very good in uh, and particularly in shipbuilding in midget submarines in mine sweepers recently we have had a successful cooperation when vajra k9 vizer is being manufactured by lnt now in india the problem is arising because most of these technologies on the korean side are with private companies and they are very reluctant to share technology or transfer technology and very rightly so our emphasis is that all the defense manufacturing should be part of make in india program gradual indigenization and if we buy 10 mine sweepers perhaps the first one can be 100% manufactured in korea but gradually 70 80% of the total value addition should be in india which is a very genuine requirement from our side but the korean companies are not agreeing to that mm. and here i hope that the government of korea plays a more proactive role and persuades their companies to transfer technology as in america the american companies are now ready to transfer technology and some manufacturing will start in in india so, but there is a lot of scope because the 
quality of their equipment, whether they are platforms like ships or guns or radars, bulletproof vests, there is a whole host of equipment. The quality is very good and the prices are about 20-25% cheaper than the competition from the Western countries. Professor Kondapalli, I wanted to ask you about a little bit about China because you watch China much more closely. And how is China's relationship with South Korea and this India's growing engagement with South Korea, with Seoul? Has it sort of, in a way, has it have any impact on China-South Korea relationship? Indeed, in 2009, when the Chinese embassy in New Delhi was issuing Kashmir staple visas to Kashmiris, uh, there was the immediate response from India. Then uh, Raksha Mantri, Mr. A.K. Anthony, went to Seoul in uh, September 2009, and we immediately concluded a defense cooperation agreement with South Korea. The two are linked in a way because the Chinese have crossed the line in terms of the core interests of India on the staple visas issued to the Kashmiris, number one. Number two, also that there is regional balance of power equation that is evident in the South Korea-China-India relations broadly. There is, for example, the South China Sea issue has been hurting up with the militarization of the reefs, etc. Secondly, there is uh, the U.S. deployment of uh, terminal high-altitude air defense system in South Korea that has uh, led to the Chinese opposition to the BMD systems in South Korea. In this background, as a middle power, South Korea has been fanning out to different countries and wanting to have a space for itself, both in economic as well as in the security domain. So that was the context where we see a stepped up kind of relations that South Korea had with India or with other countries. For example, President Roe's visit and his participation in the Republic Day parade, that has begun the high-level kind of contacts, including in the security domain, in the defense domain. So China has been one of the triggers, in a way, of the South Korea-India kind of relations. Broadly, they also have similar security threats. South Korea from North Korea, till about last year when they had the peace uh, kind of talks with the North Korean side. India in relation to Pakistan and China in terms of its security you know, challenges. So to that extent, the as the threats have become quite common for both South Korea and India, the commonality has increased and it is also reflected as Ambassador Tal has mentioned just now in terms of defense cooperation. The kind of terrain both India and Pakistan have, it is also similar to the South Korea, North Korea in artillery, in tank warfare, in air warfare, in naval warfare, so on and so forth. So in all the three dimensions of conventional warfare, there is the commonality for both South Korea and India. To that extent, there is also, as South Korea had much more sophisticated military equipment, that has resulted in the cooperation, as Ambassador Tal has just mentioned. So to that extent, I think there was the commonality. In addition to Pakistan, there is the China factor for India. Ambassador Tayal, I wanted to come to you on discuss the economic side of the relationship. And we know that POSCO was an experience for, not a very happy experience for the South Korean companies. Given that episode took place, in that backdrop, you think that it was really hampered or impacted positive economic sentiment of South Korean companies, industries? It had impacted, uh, certainly it was the refrain from the Korean side always that look at POSCO and it has not progressed, but now it, it is a part of history that is uh, gone and uh, recently we have a success story, Kia Motors, they have invested more than a billion dollars and within 18 months the plant has gone into production. 
so that speaks for itself and that shows that this ease of doing business what uh, the government has claiming that now we are 77th that is a reality it is not just a myth and again the korean companies are looking at india in a very open eyed manner because some of them want to hedge their bets there is now a trade war practically between china and united states many of them have their manufacturing units in china from there they export to the united states so korean companies are looking at options but right now their focus has been on some other countries like vietnam there has been more than 40 billion dollar investment korean investment in vietnam in the last 5 6 years whereas in india total investment till now is less than 5 billion dollars so how can we make india as a very good option when the korean companies start looking for replacing their investments or having fresh investments outside china this is a challenge but the biggest factor in our favor is huge indian market and what is being reflected last year when president moon jae in was here in july then prime minister modi and moon jae in had inaugurated a new factory of mobile handsets in noida in ncr where 110 million units will be assembled now that is the largest handset mobile making factory in the world so that is one way to go hyundai already hyundai motors exports about 30% of their production that korean companies establish manufacturing units in india to cater to the huge indian market and also to export from there so it's a very good business model and uh, we can expect a second wave of uh, korean investment in the years to come secondly about the broader picture from eastern asian countries when we see about investments a trade with all these countries where do you locate south korea is it high up on the because we have japan we have south korea and other its neighbors how does south korea fare in that group of countries absolutely in terms of innovation south korea is number 1 uh, in asia probably in the world in terms of the incubators in terms of robot it is number 1 so there is the high tech element what we generally are now calling as fourth industrial revolution south korea leads this in asia so to that extent there is a huge advantage for india second ambassador tal just mentioned about the model I think the Korean model is very relevant for India because when the Koreans invest in some place they adopt the whole village the whole locality and then they put up an educational institution ITI technology institution a polytechnic for example and educate people there so that they can join the same form which is producing the cars or LG consumer durables or Samsung mobiles the model is very relevant for us because it generates a lot of employment which is inclusive nature of the economic development there is only other taiwanese model which is also similar which they have so compared to say other investors whose employment in many of these factories are just 200 300 because much of these are run through automation and so on in the case of korea the model is it generates a lot of employment so to that extent it is a very highly successful model that india could adopt it has already adopted in many ways and the third is in terms of the trade figures korea is not really a big player in this in terms of trade we have have a cpa agreement comprehensive economic partnership agreement with south korea but we have concerns on the imbalance in trade but compared to the chinese trade or the japanese trade or with other southeast asian countries the trade imbalance is bridged by korean investments 
So to that extent, for example, when Prime Minister Modi visited Seoul last time, there was the announcement by the Korean ambassador in New Delhi that in, they will invest about $10 billion in the market. So this is very significant for India in terms of this trade imbalance being corrected in the SIPA aspects. The fourth element compared to the East Asian is the mergers and acquisitions that are happening. In China market, you don't have the mergers and acquisitions. In Japanese market, we have some, but in the pharmaceutical sector. But in Korea, you have, say, Tata's doing the mergers and acquisition with the Daewoo for over $120 million, which has opened up a two-way kind of mergers and acquisitions. Mahindra and Chenyong. So, automobile sector is one where there's been a lot of cooperation. So, to that extent, I think Korea has a niche place in the East Asian situation in which India can also, because of the highly disciplined kind of labor force innovation and the outward-looking attitude in Korea. So, this is a very good model for India to adopt. I'll move on to this issue of peace in the Korean Peninsula and how that has dominated all of 2018. And we saw President Moon playing very active part and next week there is another summit in Vietnam where President Trump will be meeting the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. In India's conversations with South Korea when you were the ambassador, what was the concern that India had? Was the link between Pakistan's nuclear program with the North Korean nuclear program, has that been a very top of the agenda and has that conversation moved to somewhere more concrete or different now? How do you see that? At that time when uh, I was there, yes, it was on top of the agenda. And in our uh, dealings with uh, South Korea, whenever North Korea was discussed, of course, the overall one objective was that peace and stability should remain in Korean Peninsula and things should not go out of hand. And second was that uh, North Korea should adhere to non-proliferation, whatever the commitments it had made, it had walked out of the NPT, but still that it should not embark on becoming a nuclear weapons power. And the third dimension was that it should not share its technology, because that had happened in the 1980s and 1990s, when uh, North Korea had acquired uranium enrichment technology from the AQ Qadar Khan uh, network, and had uh, passed on the missile technology. The Gauri and Shaheen missiles of Pakistan, they are based on uh, Nodong and Tebedong missiles of uh, North Korea. So that was an area of concern, and we did a lot of uh, intelligence sharing, etc., with uh, South Korean intelligence agencies. So the whole emphasis now, since North Korea itself has agreed that there should be denuclearization, of course, what is the definition and all those issues remain, but it is a positive development for India and uh, whatever South Korea, United States are doing with North Korea, we would be standing with them and our concern will of course remain that North Korea should not be or again become a source of proliferation or transfer of missile technology to any other country, particularly Pakistan. This Prime Minister has just as he visited Seoul, he, the two things that have happened, one is he unveiled the bust of Mahatma Gandhi and also he just received the Seoul Peace Prize. Do you think this ties in with India's efforts to kind of bring peace in the subcontinent? This ties in with that philosophy, President Moon's philosophy of trying to reconciliation and rapprochement in the Korean Peninsula? 
इंडियाज मैसेज इज इंडिया सिविलाइजेशनल मैसेज कल्चरल मैसेज इज ऑफ पीस एंड नॉन वायलेंस एंड इट इज रिफ्लेक्टेड वेदर वी गो टू एंशियंट टाइम्स ऑन गौतम बुद्ध फिलोसफी थर्टी परसेंट ऑफ द कोरियन पॉपुलेशन इज बुद्धिस्ट यस्टरडेज अनवेलिंग ऑफ महात्मा गांधी इज बस्ट इन ए टॉप यूनिवर्सिटी जोनसाई यूनिवर्सिटी अगेन दैट इज ए रिकग्निशन ऑफ द मैसेज ऑफ महात्मा गांधी एंड ऑल्सो दिस मैसेज ऑफ वसुदेव कुटुम्बकम एंड पीस एंड नॉन वायलेंस वर्क विद ईच अदर विच गोज एमिनेट्स फ्रॉम इंडिया एंड दैट फिट्स इन वेरी वेल विद द सोल पीस अवार्ड विच हैज बीन बेस्टोर्ड ऑन फॉर टू थाउजेंड एटीन विच वॉज बेस्टोर्ड ऑन प्राइम मिनिस्टर नरेन्द्र मोदी एंड वेरी राइटली प्राइम मिनिस्टर इन इज एक्सेप्टेड स्पीच सेट दैट इट इज ए अवार्ड नॉट ओनली फॉर प्राइम मिनिस्टर मोदी इनसेल्फ but for the people of india for all the values which india stands for and in that context since both india and republic of korea are very big patrons of peace and stability in east asia in the world perhaps there is a commonality of interest and that is reflected in these two events professor kondapalli want to ask you about one of the cultural or social questions that there's been a lot of people to people contact in the last few years we know that kpop is getting very popular in india also korean cuisine is quite uh, also very popular and there are now historical links that are being explored between ayodhya princess and the korean dynasty there so the royalty these links can you explore and explain to the listeners what does it mean for india korea relationship i think in terms of coming together of these two asian countries starting with the marriage of ayodhya princess to the korean king way back in 48 bc there has been the flow of uh, people there is the visit by rabindranath tagore in the 1920s and his call for asianism that the asian countries should come together in countering the western colonial issues and then in the 50s we have had uh, the cooperation related to the korean war where we have to repatriate the prisoners of war during that war and we played a mediatory role uh, during that time under the nehru administration then subsequently we have had various agreements in relation to uh, promotion of uh, buddhist tourism to both gaya sarnath and uh, other places in india Uh, there is also the last november temple that has been constructed where the first lady from korea had come and inaugurated the temple which is very auspicious uh, from the people's perspective and then we have had uh, several other cultural exchange programs between the two in terms of educational institutions cultural troops visit to each other and a host of other friendly uh, concepts that have come up in order to promote the interaction between the civil societies between the two sides so to that extent i think it had provided a kind of gel between india and south korea and in every city you have uh, these 2 uh, to 3000 at least of koreans uh, expatriates uh, living contributing to the cultural milieu secondly as you mentioned food korean restaurants have been opened up in various places and uh, lapped up by the indian consumers so to that extent i think it did contribute to the people to people understanding between the two sides ambassador tell if you could give us a sense of what was the perception of india back then in seoul and now has it changed now and in what way and we have discussed political relationship economic relationship defense relationship maritime terrorism what is the next frontier in our relationship 
that should be explored the relations have been on the upswing in the current millennium we had uh, strategic partnership in 2010 when their president had come lee myung bak here now we have a special strategic partnership and then we look at the future i think at some point india and korea are working together to see and ensure that indo pacific region east asia remains stable and remains peaceful and in that uh, both are on the same page that both the countries are comfortable with the presence of united states in this region and republic of korea does not say so very openly but it is wary of the rise of china it does not want one country to dominate east asia totally and it wants balances and in that quest perhaps india and republic of korea are together but the core of our relationship will continue to be economic and uh, korean companies will be major investors in india and uh, india will be good market for them and the new frontier will be cooperation in defense equipment manufacturing and perhaps the startups and future technologies which are the technologies of uh, tomorrow thank you ambassador tyal and thank you professor kondepalli for this discussion you are listening to a discussion on strengthening bilateral ties of india and south korea the participants were skand ranjan tyal former diplomat and professor shrikant kondapalli expert in diplomatic issues shubhajit roy journalist initiated the discussion this program was produced and presented by the news services division of all india radio you can also listen to this program on our website newsonair.nic.in you may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks@gmail.com at